Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. How you doing today? Welcome, everyone. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the group chat, Radical Change with Vonda Page. I am your host, Vonda Page, and I want to welcome you. And what we're going to be doing is continuing to talk about topics that are top of mind, for Black women and other historically oppressed and excluded folks at work. Um, And this week, I'm going to really be talking specifically about Black women's history, um, the news happening, and more specifically, I'm going to get into the nomination of the Honorable Ketanji Brown Jackson. Um, For me, this week, um, you know, I knew it was going to be a challenging week going into it. And I made um, purposely a conscious decision that I was not going to um, spend a lot of time watching the nomination um, process and watching um, the Senate do its uh, normal garbage. Um, Because, you know, for me, um, as being a person who has followed politics, you know, for um, about 45, 46 years, uh, pretty intently, Um, I literally had very low expectations uh, for how the Senate was going to conduct the hearing. Um, And I definitely had a low expectation around expectations around the questions and the things that they would answer. Um, And, uh, you know, they didn't disappoint. Right. I don't think that there is a black woman in America Um, who uh, is probably over the age of 20, uh, who has functioned, existed, or uh, worked in a predominantly white space, whether that meant going to a predominantly white institution for high school or college, uh, whether that means living in predominantly white neighborhoods, um, you know, in various places throughout the country, whether it means working in a um, professional space where you are the only woman, the only black woman, the only black person. Um, And, you know, even when you are um, in leadership roles within an organization, even when you have surpassed um, expectations, you have Uh, you know, reached um, prestigious accomplishments, we're still Black wherever we go. And, um, you know, I think that, again, right, the whole world had an opportunity to see the disdain, the hatred, the disrespect that Men particularly, but 
white men have towards black women. And the thing that's so interesting about the reactions and the way that the Honorable Katanji O. Uh, Brown Jackson was treated, you know, um, was so egregious in their disdain and in their disrespect. And the thing is interesting is that it's so natural, right, for people who are in that space, right? It was so natural for, you know, Cruz and um, Blackburn and these other ones to just be so nasty and disrespectful and to try to prove something, right? And and I believe that what they were trying to prove is that, um, you know, she's not one of them, right? And And when they try to prove that we're not one of them, what they're looking to see is, is, uh, you know, Judge Jackson, is she going to be a Clarence Thomas? Is she going to be a person that supports our agenda, right? Um, and so since they, and so those questions that they posed were all about the radical right. It's not even radical because radical means root. It's all about the extreme right, conservative, nationalistic, uh, you know, um, evangelical agenda, right? Hetero agenda that they have. And so a lot of the questions that they were posing were really trying to see, okay, well, if we let her get in, right? Because let's face it, Joe Biden doesn't get to pick and decide, right? He gets to nominate, right? Um, but they have to confirm and they're not going to confirm. Mitch McConnell said yesterday, oh, after these two days of questioning, we know that she's not a fit. Because what he is saying is, Katanji Brown Jackson, the honorable, the judge, she is a person of integrity. She is a person that is going to rule according to the law. She is a person that is going to study and evaluate based on the law. And they don't want that, right? Because they want somebody that is going to favor inside of their particular agenda points. And they saw that she wasn't for that. I mean, so there were so many things, right, that were egregious and crazy. And I have like a whole kind of agenda, right, of things that I wanted wanted to talk about. But it was just a, it was a big hot mess. But before we kind of get into it, you know, before I get um, into that, into like the three areas that I really wanted to focus on, you know, one of the things that I want to say about um, living corporate about this media network and the ways that you can support is extremely important because one of the reasons, right, that the dominant voices continue to have the opportunity to exploit um, and to have their uh, agendas pushed is because we are not doing enough, right, to support and amplify the voices of each other. And so for those of you who are new um, if this is maybe your first show or if this is the first time, um, you know, you tuning in to Living Corporate. Um, my name, uh, like I said earlier, is Vonda Page um, and I am uh, the host of this particular show. But I also consider myself, you know, a partner and an ambassador um, for Living Corporate because Living Corporate Network, you know, recognized um, Zach, the CEO, uh, you know, several years back, recognized um, the need right for black 
and brown and other, you know, historically marginalized voices in the workplace to be able to amplify um, our voices and our experiences. And that is exactly what um, what we do here. And particularly on this show, what I like to do is talk about things that are happening right now today, bring people on um, that have a perspective and insight Um, particularly around what we need to do to drive a real change, right? Because we know um, as uh, Black and Brown people, um, as anybody that's not part of the dominant structure and anybody who is really paying attention um, and who has really a heart for humanity and understanding, you know, what's really going to take us to another level is really getting um, and understanding the point that until black liberation is achieved, right? We're still going to be struggling with all of these these issues. And so the best way to support the work that I'm doing, the work that Zach is doing, the living corporate work, and the best way to really advance um, and change the outcomes that black and brown folks face at work is to support, right? Is support the work and amplify it. So how do you do that? First and foremost, you need to share um, these episodes, right? So share the posts, share the links. Um, you need to subscribe to Living Corporate. That way you will always get notified about any um, shows. You'll know 10 minutes before. And if you just log on, you know, every now and then you'll see, right, um, the calendar of events and the upcoming shows. And that way you can get in and, and, and always um, know where they are. The second is Living corporate shows are adapted to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, and all of that. So literally, you can catch all of these shows on your favorite screen um, or platform whenever you want to. We need you to follow, right? So you need to follow at Living Corporate. And Living-Corporate is everywhere. Like, Living Corporate is everywhere. It's on IG. We on TikTok. We are on everywhere. I see uh, uh, videos of myself from, uh, you know, shows that I did months ago. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, right? So the content is out there. So we need you to follow, like, link, share it. Um, and we need you to rate and review. Because if you rate and review, right, then we can monetize, right? Um, you know, Black people, we always talk about, you know, doing a lot of work for free and, and, and you know, um, giving up our intellectual property, right? Um, so if you appreciate the content, if you're getting a lot out of the content, then you need to support it. And even if you can't support it monetarily, you can support by taking three two minutes to write a quick little review. Hey, heard this podcast. It was excellent. Check it out. Bond is the bomb. Zach is awesome. Everybody on the network is cool. Check it out. You could do that. That literally doesn't cost you anything but a few minutes of your time. So with that, it is 10 after. So let's get into it, right? And let's get into, um, you know, I want to talk about um, the proceedings. And I want to, you know, talk about, I think, three three things that I, that, that really stood out to me. And um, the, the first uh, thing about the first thing I want to talk about is why I decided not to watch it. Um, and I decided not to watch it for numerous reasons. Um, but I think the first and foremost is because of um, Anita Hill. So Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas, um, that I want to say 1987. I, I, I could have looked it up really quick to remember. But but that seeing um, a confirmation of Clarence Thomas and seeing how regardless of the evidence and the disgusting behavior 
and the corroboration, corroboration of witnesses and whatever about Clarence Thomas and, and his disgusting uh, behavior, right? The sexual harassment and all of that, right? Despite that, right? They still uh, confirmed him because they knew he was going to support their agenda. So the first and foremost thing to, I think, take note to and to recognize and to understand is that our system of government, and I'm using the term our in a very loose term, because although, right, um, we are supposed to have specific inalienable, in, uh, inalienable rights, we don't really have them. Um, and we also don't really understand how our government works. We don't really understand how power works. Now, you know, I am 53. I talk about how old I am all the time and that I grew up in the 70s. I grew up when Schoolhouse Rock was brand new and we would be waiting on Saturday morning, right, to watch that stuff on TV and to watch I'm Just a Bill on Capitol Hill, right, and understanding that. Well, that is the governmental process, right, of how bills become law, right, how Supreme Court justices or, or how, yeah, justices become uh, confirmed to the actual court, right? Yes, these are the processes, right, that our country has in place. But what we don't think about often enough, I believe, is the fact that the way that politicians are put into office is through lobbying and is through money, right, and is through the power and influence of big company, of companies who support election campaigns, fundraisers, and, and all kinds of things so that politicians can do commercials and do things to get elected into office. So all of the people that are in our Congress, right, our senators and our House of Representatives, representatives, all of them, right, have received donations in order to win their seat. Now, some people take more what we call grassroots and personal donations, and some people take corporate donations and donations from lobbyists and big companies, okay? If you think about the politicians who have been in office the longest. You think about the people like Nancy Pelosi, who was at JFK's inauguration. You think about Mitch McConnell. You think about Graham Cracker, um, you know, Lindsey, and all of those people that have been in the Senate for 20, 30 years and more, right? Even uh, Dick Durbin, who is running the hearings, who, you know, um, is uh, a Democrat, okay? These old people have been in office some of them since i was a kid you cannot tell me that their ideas their thoughts their philosophy has advanced along with the times it has not and the proof of that is the fact right that we still do not have right anti-lynching bills so that means that it's still legal right to lynch people 
we know, right, that all that there's been even a new law passed even a couple day a uh, couple weeks ago, giving police even more authority, right, to use deadly force. So we have these politicians in office that have been there for a long time, right, that are not doing anything to change the condition of black people or of women in general even, right? Because the patriarchy still rules everything, including our system of government, right? 91% of the senators or people, you know, that have served have been white men. So nothing is changing at a pace where there's an opportunity, right, for things to be different. And so when I think about why I didn't watch the hearings and I think about, you know, Clarence Thomas, I think about how they made it seem like Anita Hill was the one who did something wrong because all she was there was saying, hey, this person shouldn't be a Supreme Court justice because he is a gross ass, um, you know, person that commits sexual assault, harassment, discrimination and a whole bunch of other things. But they let him get in. And so that if that did not teach us. Right. Number one where loyalty lies, right, for politicians in our own government. It's not about, is somebody going to be about jurisprudence? It's not about, is someone going to take the law as written in our constitution and interpret it the way it's supposed to be? It's always about, will these people adhere to and support the most the 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 interest of the po- the power in in play right and the power in play the powers that be right are the same people that was right there at the founding of our country the people at the founding of our country owned slaves they owned in they 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 took place and took part in slavery many of their relatives are now still in similar positions and that's one of the reasons that all this conversation around critical race theory and what we're going to teach in school and don't say gay that's a whole that's all part of it right is because the people in the government right our our politicians they know where their power lies and they know that as long as they support right the interests of big business then they'll be able to keep those positions They'll be able to keep on making laws that advance what they want, but recognize that these aren't just laws that 535 people agree on and want, or even, you know, two thirds of that, right? This is about those big companies. This is about the big giant companies that have steered our economy, that have steered our technology, that have steered the direction of everything over the last 40 and 50 years and they are continuing to do so and continuing systemically and so the supreme court is just one of another oppressive system right and you know you can call me cynical and i'm fine with that but if mitch mcconnell has said he is not in support of judge brown She's not getting in. And although it is sad and sick and and horrible that the most qualified person to ever 
be nominated is not going to get in. This is not how America works. America does not go for who is the most qualified, who is the best, who is the brightest. That has been the lie of the meritocracy, right? That has been what those of us not in powerful positions, those of us who do not influence and control, you know, those type of decisions. That's what we've been told. That's what we've been sold in order to continue to participate in the system, to participate in the system of government, to vote for Dick Durbin, to vote for Mitch McConnell, to vote for Lindsey Graham, to vote for Tim Scott, to vote for Marsha Blackburn, to vote for any of them. Okay, this is the lie that they say is that America is the greatest country, that in America you can be and do anything. That is only true if you are a white man. So we have to start acknowledging, right, the truth of the matter is that who the who wrote the Constitution and who the Constitution is for. Women weren't considered people, right? That was an amendment, right? Black people weren't considered people. That was an amendment. We were three-fifths of a damn person, right? And depending on how many of us, our ancestors that, you know, white people owned at the time, that gave them more power, right? None of that has changed. What has changed, what we have advanced, right, is the technology component that makes everything look different. There are still only a very few people that control the economy, that make the decisions. Who made the decisions, right? It wasn't just the previous 45th president of the United States that said, oh, just let COVID run through, just let it run through. There had to be a whole agreement among the top CEOs in America and in the world for how they were going to handle that. There had to be an agreement among the biggest bankers and technology companies and food producers and shippers and all of those people, right, to say how they were going to handle it. And what happened? COVID hit and the economy boomed. The biggest companies made more millions than they have ever made. All of these systems are tied together. Corporations influence our politics. Our politicians decide the laws, right? And because we as a populace, we don't push back. We don't fight and stand up in a way that causes them to pay attention, that spurs them to make different actions. Fortunately, they're allowed to continue, right? And so the trial, <laughs> which is what it looked like, it looked like it looked like uh, Judge Brown being on trial to prove her credentials, to prove her capabilities, to prove her fitness. But I challenge you to watch even small clips. And to me, this was America on trial. This was on trial for how corrupt, how discriminatory, how hateful, how ignorant are we, right? So Dick Durbin, what did he say? He said that he even, Dick Durbin, a senior senator, Dick Durbin, he said that the, that the nomination was unfair, it was unrelenting, and it was beneath the dignity of the U.S. Senate. He oversaw the proceedings. Do you think that the person who's overseeing the proceedings don't have power to 
make the proceedings go better? They do. The person that's the presiding officer, they have the ability to kick people out, to shut people up, to find people, to hold them in contempt. Look up your rules. Look up your nomination rules. Look up Senate chamber rules. So Dick Durbin himself, I saw the clip myself this morning. He said that it was unfair, unrelenting, and it was beneath the dignity. What the hell dignity does the U.S. Senate have? When they made Anita Hill talk about how talk about her own pubic hairs. This Senate don't have no dignity. At all. The Ted Cruz read green eggs and ham on the floor of the Senate, probably because that's where his reading level is. And that's the best he could do. Because if you think about what he was doing day before yesterday, he wouldn't even let her answer the damn question. And every time Dick Durbin kept trying to do, he could have shut him up. He could have banged the gavel and said, reclaiming my time, you are out of order. And then he could have gave him a warning and said, you're going to get fined. He could have fined him. They didn't, they, so the thing is, right, there is no dignity because the people don't, dignity is not what this is about. This is about power and control. And what they saw in Judge Brown, Jackson, what they saw in her was that she is going to be a real jurist. She's going to do what this country says this is how it's supposed to be. But what they proved is that that's not what it's really about, you know. Um, And he also said that the treatment of her was beyond the pale. Dick Durbin said the way she was treated was beyond the pale. So why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he do something about it? Why didn't Dick Durbin do something about it? Why didn't Dick Durbin say that is beneath the dignity of the U.S. Senate, and I'm not going to allow for it. Why didn't he do something about it? So what happens when a person stands up, right? So if Dick Durbin, and he's a senator that I actually like because he's not as bad as many of them, okay? Um, He's been in there way too long, and he needs to be out, but he's not as bad as a lot of them. But what could he have done? He could have done so many things different. He could have used his power and his influence. But what would have happened to him? See, he's protecting himself. And that's how it works, right? Because whenever we stick up for a black woman, whenever we stick up for someone who is historically oppressed, historically marginalized, historically undervalued, underrepresented, discriminated against, harassed, and mistreated, we get labeled, right, as the, the, the... the person that's in support of them because it's either or. And so the way that whiteness works in this capacity, and it was full on awesome display for everyone to see, right? The way that whiteness works in this capacity is you get to actually see, right? How there is not an opportunity, right? For this camaraderie, right? For the person whom, you would hope that him as a Democrat was even in support of because there's a Democratic president. He didn't even support her enough to uphold the rules of the Senate so that there could be some dignity. 
so that questions could really get answered to find out some things. But I think it was really simple up front that her qualifications wasn't in question, so they couldn't work on that, right? Her her um, credentials, they're not in question, right? Her past cases or what she did, those things were not in question because black women, when we show up to an interview, when we show up to the assignment, we have done the homework. We have done the homework over and over and over and over and over and over and over, right? So that part is there. Now, on top of doing the homework, we have overcome the abuse, the assault, the trauma. We overcame it, right? We've done all that. Why? Because we have had to. Because to be a Black woman and to survive in a predominantly white space, whether it's a school, a, a high school, a, 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 a middle school, an elementary school, a college, a program, a job, a neighborhood, a community, to survive that is already a revolutionary act of resistance. To be excellent is a revolutionary act of resistance. To be, to smile is a revolutionary act of resistance. To wear her her hair in a locked style, to have dreads, that's revolutionary, right? Um, to, to have gone through all of this and to still have a smile on her face and to have her husband, her family there and her best friend who she met in, in college and went to law school with, right? And have all these people there validating her. That's the act of resistance. But be honest, do we think it's going to happen that this country that the Senate is going to confirm there's not enough people who care about justice. They care about greed and they care about profit and they care about control. The same founding fathers are the same people, their descendants, their ancestors are running everything now. And they built it for them. They built the systems and the structures for them. And so the proceedings were literally, you know, uh, a revolution saying, we want to hold you to the truths that you're saying that all men are created equal. You haven't changed the wording to say men equals all human beings. That would be a step. If we said all human beings were equal, then that would say, oh, women's rights are human's rights and trans rights are human's rights. And Black Lives Matter, right? Um, The structure and the system is designed to work just the way it worked. The structure is designed for white men to thrive. Dave Chappelle, one of his specials, he talks about one of the um, uh, Netflix specials talking about some show to make a murderer. And he says that the person on trial, he says, in a justice system that was designed for him to thrive, Our American system of government is only designed for one type of person to thrive. It's designed for white men to thrive. The second people who can thrive are those people who uphold and support white men's thriving. Yesterday, or this week, Judge 
<laughs> Brown Jackson, she countered that narrative and said that everyone can thrive because our laws say that we all have opportunity, right? Say that we're equal. So that's one piece, right? Um, so with that, right, I didn't watch because I knew what it was going to feel like. I knew what it was going to be like. And I didn't want to trigger myself even more. And I thought that by totally avoiding looking it up, looking up, looking at anything, anything at all, avoiding clips, avoiding it, that I wouldn't get triggered. But of course, when you when you go to social media, to our feeds, right, because it's not the days of me just going to the newspaper and looking in the newspaper anymore the day after to see what happened, literally because of our feeds, I can see five minutes later something messed up that got said right to judge Brown Jackson in the, in the, in the hearing. And so to then think about and be triggered because of all the times that things like that were said to me, I remember going on an interview one time and it was six people in a job interview. The interview was 90 minutes and the questions they were asking me were, I mean, they were really ridiculous. The job was for, um, it was a, you know, technology um, adoption manager job, right? Which is my work I've been doing since 1984. But they were asking me questions that I had answered that were in the resume that I had proven. And it was very obvious that it was like, well, this isn't good enough. It wasn't good enough that I am accomplished and experienced and can answer all of your questions, it's not good enough that I can give you all of the answers in the most detailed way that I can prove it, that I have all sorts of references and and results and, and proof. It's not good enough because the bottom line is I'm not the one you want in the position. You either had to interview me because I was, you know, the, the top candidate and it, you felt like if you didn't do it, there was going to be some backlash. But you don't really want a person that can do the job. You want a particular person. And so what I've seen in the past, I would have to say 16 years, is that the way that the judicial Supreme Court nomination hearings go it's not about qualifications. It's about who most closely is going to um, do what the dominant power structure is asking, right? And they knew that um, Judge uh, <laughs> Brown Jackson is going to be a real jurist. And because she's a black woman, they know, right? Uh, they know about black women, right? And they know that we're going to fight for the most marginalized because we're the most marginalized. So they also know that if a black woman gets a come up, a black woman is going to bring everybody else up. Right. So think about those things that are sitting in limbo. Right. That are not being ruled on right now. All of the things around, um, you know, the the uh, women's health care issues, abortion, which is health care and all of those things. They know that if a black woman right gets the opportunity to be on the Supreme Court, they know where her opinions are going to lie. Right. And they know that she is going to um, judge each case based on the law, not based on handouts and little secret dark money organizations that she's a part of. 
And so the dark money piece is a big part of all of this too. And so Marsha Blackburn and Ted Cruz and Josh Howley and all of those people, they get so much money from all of these corporations that they, you know, have to vote and act accordingly. So that's the whole one piece, right? And so I'm really curious as to, you know, how other people felt. I'm really curious as to, you know, which, what were you triggered by? You know, I'm curious as to were you triggered, you know, just by how she was treated, you know, because of how it mirrored experiences you might might have had previously or you know was it just the fact of this was just another exercise of seeing how black women are just so disrespected are so unprotected are so dismissed regarding regardless of our excellence it was amazing to see Cory Booker stand up like that um but it was also disappointing to not see Kamala Harris do something similar. Now, like I said, I didn't watch it and maybe, you know, um, she has some kind of statement, but I think if she had made a statement, anything similar to what Cory Booker had made, it would have been all over social media. But that goes to the next piece around what is really an ally? What's an ally for a black woman? And what does an ally do? What does allyship really look like? Well, it looks like what Cory Booker did. It looked like Cory Booker raising her up, holding her by her hand, and doing something that only he could do at that time. Her husband couldn't do it, even though he was sitting right there. Her kids and friends and support couldn't do it, even though they were sitting there because it wasn't the type of place. And 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 not only Cory Booker, right, had the opportunity to affirm her in that moment, but Tim Scott could have affirmed her as a black man. Kamala Harris could have affirmed her. Any other person in that chamber, any other senator, they could have affirmed her and they could have said, I see that this is a very um, hostile environment. I see that this is a very, you know, um, harsh environment but nobody did that and and trust and believe you know they know what they're doing and this is all intentional it's always intended to break a black woman it's always intended to cause as much harm and damage and so Cory Booker he felt it he recognized it he said he saw his mom he saw his cousins right he saw his ancestors our ancestors her ancestors. And so he was compelled to do that because he's a humanitarian and he's been brought up in a whole bunch of predominantly white institutions. He went to Stanford and a whole bunch of white schools like that, but he stayed in Newark. Right. Um, and, and, and he's fighting for our people, but he only doing what he could do because he's only one person. And so, you know, these systems and these structures, once again, they work exactly how they were designed. And so that's why putting people in those positions in these systems, that's why the system isn't changing. Because the system is not going to change. Because the people that influence the system don't want it to change. Because the system works to their advantage. 
So you will hear a lot of people and see a lot of really smart, amazing people um, talking about reimagining systems, deconstructing systems, uh, reconstructing systems, reconstructing and deconstructing. I believe new systems have to be created. I believe that radical solutions are the only options that we have. I think we have to have real change and real change calls for radical solutions and radical meaning the root of these issues are the systems. And so we can do some things right to change how we participate in these systems to force the system itself to change. Or we can make new systems. We can construct, design, build, architect new systems, new structures. And that is what we must do. And so if beyond expectation, Judge Jackson, Judge Brown Jackson makes it to the Supreme Court, I will be, I mean, I'll be, I'll be dancing for sure. I will be celebrating for sure. Um, and I will be surprised, but I'll be celebrating, but then I will also be, you know, thinking about and focused on what is next, right? Because that's only one person, right? Joe Biden is only going to be in office another two years. And, you know, he's not going to be able to get somebody in. Um, If he doesn't get somebody in by the end of this year, there's no way that in 2023, the Republicans are going to let him put a a nominee of his choosing into office. It's not going to happen. And so if we can't get Katanji Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court, there is no other black woman that is going to make it. She is the one. And so what I'm going to recommend is that we pay careful, careful attention, number one. But number two, let's start looking at the solution to this blatant, blatant, blatant abuse of power by our government officials is to get them the hell out. If they've been in there more than two terms, so that's more than 12 years as a senator, that's more than four years as a congressperson, and they have not made marked advancement on the things that they said, you need to get them the hell out. Personally, I think any person that is over the age of 60, I don't think they should still be serving in the Senate or even in the House of Representatives if they have already been there for more than two terms. Because what are they doing? What are they really trying to change? What are they really doing to advance, to make the future better for the millennials and the zillennials? So I'm a Gen Xer, right? I'm 53. Um, And, you know, I'm very, very concerned, not as much about the future of myself as I am for the next generation. That's one of the reasons that I focus on mentoring That's one of, you know, the reasons that I focus on, you know, outreach um, from a digital perspective and really trying to get people to pay attention to some important things because we have got to change the trajectory 
of where we are going because it's only getting worse. Okay. So inflation is now 7.9%. Inflation right now in 2022 is higher than it was when Ronald Reagan was president. When Ronald Reagan was president, that ushered in a whole lot of bad things for black, brown, poverty-stricken communities. When black, brown, poverty-stricken communities are in peril, the disabled community is in the worst peril. The disabled, black, brown, indigenous communities are the peoples that got most impacted by COVID. And then what happened? Oh, take the mask off. Okay, because we see that the people who died, the millions of people who died, already had some underlying condition. Maybe asthma, maybe heart disease, maybe high blood pressure, maybe, uh, you know, diabetes, other pulmonary conditions, other conditions. We've known about these people with these conditions, right? Many people with these underlying conditions there, they receive some sort of supplemental income. They might receive benefits such as Medicare or Medicaid or other benefits, right? The government doesn't want to pay these benefits to help these people, right? And businesses, companies, corporations, they purposely are able to discriminate, right? How do you discriminate against a person with low vision or visually impaired? Right. You um, make everything on the computer and you don't have the accessible um, options in right to help people with dyslexia or low vision. Those things can be built in. Yeah, they might cost a little bit more money and they take a little more time. I'm building them into my own website. That's why I haven't released an official website yet. But they don't want to do these things. Right. We have to get our heads around what work even means. We have to understand how the four or 500 capitalists, right, that founded America, right, um, how that looks now, how that looks like minimum wage is still not enough for any person to survive in any city in America because you cannot pay your rent if you only make minimum wage. We need to acknowledge that. Minimum wage now, $7 an hour now is the same as a dollar, right, when the emancipation happened. So the minimum wage is a slave wage. If you're working in a job making minimum wage, why is there a minimum wage? Because they would pay you nothing so that they could make money. Why is it that no matter how much money you make, you still have to pay income taxes? You are giving government your money for the work that you've done. And what are the services that you're getting for the taxes that you're paying? If you live in Flint, Michigan, and you still have dirty water, but you have to pay taxes, right? So there is a whole underlying component to Black women's history, to the nomination and and hearings of Katanji Brown Jackson to equity, to inclusion. There's a whole bunch of 
interconnectedness. There is a whole bunch of correlations to how things work the way that they do. And we must be more cognizant. We must be more focused and we must be more active and accountable in what we choose to do. We have to. We get to choose the destiny. We don't have to just give up and be like, well, okay, bump it. You know, they going to do what they going to do and we just got to get ours and we just got to survive. No. And in the work world, what is the alternative? Everybody doesn't want to leave corporate America and start their own business. Everyone doesn't want to, you know, do the, 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 the gig work. Everyone doesn't want to hustle. Everybody don't want to be a startup CEO. Some people want to come in, apply their knowledge, expertise, and learning, and contribute that work with people who are focused, motivated, and kind, maybe. Maybe just not traumatic. Maybe not just hurtful and harmful. And they want to do good work. But There's so many things that keep that from happening. Whether you are a black or brown woman in in the workplace, whether you are, um, you know, a person that has a disability, whether you are an over 50 worker, it doesn't matter, right? We all want to work in a place where we can be valued and respected and included and paid not just a livable wage. Why is it that living and, 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 and the bear of just living, why do certain people only deserve to just live? Why can't we deserve to thrive? Why is it that only people like Kim Kardashian get to be and do and say and live well, right? And, and live you know, like, like that. And I'm not talking about having servants that cook and clean and, 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 you know, walk your dog for you and and do everything. But I'm talking about to just live and do and be right. Because capitalism and people who are the, the capitalists right out here, they believe that only they deserve, right. Whatever. So Kim Kardashian talking about people just need to get off their asses and work. Who is she talking about? Who is she talking about? If she is talking about the people who are buying her products, those people have to work every day to afford that stuff. Whether they are buying um, underwear, undergarments, or makeup, or hair extensions, or nail polish, or whatever else they sell, they have to work. So who is she talking about people not working? People that are working and making seven and eight dollars, they have to work two and three and four jobs. But the capitalists have made more money in the past two years than they have ever made. And so it's a bunch of bullshit. And what it does is it makes the experiences of us at work right, of black women, of historically oppressed, discriminated against, harassed, traumatized, marginalized, it makes 
the workplace traumatizing. And not only did they traumatize Katanji Brown Jackson yesterday, they continually and further traumatized black women and other people who have been in that situation before and have seen themselves. And I think it did a couple of things. I think it, it said, and it, and you know, makes me think to a lot, like who wants to sit there and deal with that? Who wants to go through that? My dog is doing her thing under my, under my desk here. Um, who wants to put up with that? Who wants to be treated like that? Who wants to go through that? You know, I think about her husband, you know, and I'm sure that she's had numerous experiences where she's explained to him what happened. And he was like, damn. And he emphasized, you know, uh, sympathized and em- emphasized. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't even talk. Empathized. Right. With her over it. But he saw it. He saw what the world sees. And that's how black women get treated all the time. And he saw it. And so, you know, what what does it mean? What does it look like? What where do we go? Right. What what is the radical solution? Right. To drive a real change um, in how. Black women experience work in the workplace. Well, number one. Know that you are not alone. You are not exaggerating. You are not making it up. The trauma, the assault, the harassment, the discrimination, the bullying, it is real. And we saw it. We saw it and it was overt. They didn't even try to play with it. And so if you are a black woman, a brown woman, Latina, it doesn't matter. If you are not in the predominant group and you've experienced this, I hope that this experience has helped validate your experience. That's number one. If you are a person who is in a relationship with a person that has gone through this. So if you are a spouse, a partner, a friend, a colleague, co-worker, the next time you witness this type of treatment, be a Cory Booker. Stand up. Say something in the moment. Yeah, take some courage. And if you're a white person, you might be afraid of being called the N-word lover. Okay. Do you think that's just as bad as having the N-word shouted at you in traffic? Happens to me all the time right here in my own town. Okay. Um, Do you think it's as bad as being paid less than everybody else for doing the same job? Do you think it's as bad the way you get treated, do you think it's as bad as the way Katanji got treated? Can you imagine living your life like that and being treated like that every day, all the time, plus having other things happen to you? Being resilient, 
that's not a flex. It's unfortunately an outcome, right, of the harm and and the things that we go through as Black women that force us to be resilient, to be strong. But when you go through things and you're not a Black woman, to try to then compare it or say, well, women go through this or I do this or this, you, you, you literally, that's on the do not do list, right? You, there's no comparing whether you are Jewish or Japanese, right? There's no comparing. We don't need to compare traumas. And you can't ever show me a Jewish person that got treated like how Katanji got treated. And you can't show me a white woman that got treated like Katanji. We know how Amy Comey Barrett got treated. We know they asked her about her hobbies. They didn't ask her a hard question. They asked her about the five pieces of law and she couldn't even answer that. So it's not about that. So what I'm going to challenge everyone to do is the real change, okay, is to accept reality. Acknowledge what your eyes, what you saw with your own eyes and recognize that things are bad and recognize that you as an individual person, you have opportunities and choices and chances to do things differently and you could choose to do those. It's all up to you and what you decide. So I want to say thanks again for joining me on the group chat. Um, in addition, I'm going to also see you back on the group chat, Radical Change with Vonda Page. So until then, take care and I'll see you then.